It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelly will edify It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Jennifer and Kelly are gonna talk, so you'd better damn well listen. Hello and welcome to Pages and Popcorn Podcast, the podcast where normally two book nerds, myself, Kalia, and Jennifer, talk about movies based on books. But today, today is different. Jennifer, tell the kind listeners what we're doing today. So we are going to be looking at a sequel supplemental um, episode, and that is going to cover Mary Poppins Returns. That's right. So... Hooray for supplemental episodes, and hooray for Mary Poppins, and today, hooray for Mary Poppins Returns. But before we do that, we want to remind you all the ways that you can get in touch with us. You are welcome to email us at pagesandpopcornpodcast at gmail.com. You are welcome to find us on the social media platforms, mostly Facebook, a tiny bit Twitter, by doing a search for Pages and Popcorn Podcast. And um, we would really like you to rate and review us on iTunes. Because that is how other people find us and join us and discuss with us. And as anybody who's ever been in a book club knows, it's fun to read a book. It's even more fun to talk about that book with other people who have read that book. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. When is Kalia wrong? <laughs> I like the way this is starting out. <laughs> starting out well. <laughs> um, Jennifer, tell the kind people where our website is. Uh, we are at pagesandpopcornpodcast.com. Yep, and when you are there, you will find information about upcoming shows as well as show notes. And show notes have sources and links and all sorts of fun, wonderful stuff. But you already know that because this is a supplemental episode. So let's get right into it with Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins Returns is a 2018 American musical fantasy film which was directed by Rob Marshall. Screenplay written by David McGee. It is a sequel to the 1964 film Mary Poppins and stars Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins with Lin-Manuel Miranda and a whole bunch of other people, including Colin Firth and Meryl Streep and Angela Lansbury, just a ton of people, in supporting roles. Set in 1930s London, 25 years after the events of the original film, the film sees Mary Poppins, the former nanny of Jane and Michael Banks, returning um, one year after a family tragedy, that tragedy being the death of Michael's wife, who I can't actually know if... I'm sure he name-checked her at some point, but I don't remember. I don't think that there was a name. We'll just call her it Dead Mom. mom and wife. Yeah. Yes. Dead Mom. Because it wouldn't be a Disney movie without a dead mom. Without a dead mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so in 
So again, 1930s London, Michael Banks lived with his in his childhood home with his three children, Annabelle, John, and Georgie. After the death of his wife a year earlier, Michael has taken out a loan from his employer, the Fidelity Fiduciary Bank, and is three months behind in his payments. Wilkins, the bank's corrupt new chairman, sends associates to warn him that his house will be repossessed if the loan is not repaid in full by Friday. Michael and his sister Jane recall that their father left them shares in the bank that should cover the loan, and they search the house for the share certificate, but during the search, Michael finds his childhood kite and dispose of it. The children visit a local park, and Georgie, who's found the kite, flies it. Mary Poppins descends from the sky with the kite in her hand. She takes the children home and announces that she will take charge of them as her new nanny. She draws a bath for the three children, leading to underwater adventures and merriment. Also, apparently, you can take a bath while being fully clothed. Okay. Michael visits the bank, seeking proof of his shares, but Wilkes denies that there's any records before covertly destroying the page from the official ledger. Annabelle and John decide to sell their mother's priceless bowl to pay off the debt. Georgie tries to stop them, and the bowl becomes damaged while the three fight over it. Jack, Lin-Manuel Miranda, a random light lighter, lamp lighter, greets Mary Popkins and joins her and the children on a trip to the scene that is in decoration written on the bowl. During their visit to the Royal Dalton Music Hall, Georgie is kidnapped by an animated talking wolf, weasel, and badger that are repossessing their belongings, and Annabelle and John set out to rescue him. They do so successfully, but of course, they fall off the edge of the bowl and they wake up in their own beds. Also, there's a large song and dance number. It's a whole thing. They it, inevitably think that their experiences was a dream, but then they later realize it was real. The children visit Mary Poppinson's cousin Topsy, hoping to get the bowl mended and learn that it actually has little monetary value. They take Michael his briefcase at the bank, where they overhear Wilkins discussing the planned repossession of their house, believing that he and his associates are the same wolf and weasel gang that kidnapped him. Georgie interrupts the meeting. Michael is angry with his children for putting the house and his job at risk, somehow. Mary Poppins takes the children home, guided by Jack and his fellow lamplighters, who teach the children their rhyming slang. The children comfort a despairing Michael and the four reconcile. Okay, it's midnight on Friday and the Bankses are preparing to move out of their house. While examining his old kite, Michael discovers that Georgie had used a missing share certificate in order to mend it. Michael and Jane rush to the bank. Mary Poppins and the children go with Jack and the lamplighters to Big Ben in order to turn back time. Sadly, there's no share song. After scaling the clock tower, they turn the clock back five minutes, giving Michael and Jane just enough time to reach the bank. Wilkins, however, will not accept the certificate as part of it is still missing. Wilkins' elderly uncle and the bank's previous chairman, Mr. Dawes Jr., arrives just in time to sack Wilkins on the spot for his corrupt business practices and reveal that Michael has plenty of assets to cover the loan because of his invested tuppence that he had deposited with the bank many years earlier, even though that's not quite what happened many years earlier, but that's fine. The next day, the Bankses visit the park where a fair is, is in full swing for some reason, and they purchase balloons that carry them into the air somehow, where they're joined by Jack and many others. On the return home, Mary Poppins announces that it's time for her to leave. Michael and Jane thank her. The umbrella carries her away. Jane is apparently going to hook up with the lamplighter, and everybody's fine. The end. I did not like this movie. I did not like it either. My daughter liked this movie. My seven-year-old giggled and laughed. So fine. It's a kid's movie and she liked it. But the songs were insipid. The acting was atrocious. The storyline made no sense. It was completely contrived and awful. And I did not like it. Okay, so this is one of those things where we are groovy against the grain. Um, and it reminds me of when we reviewed The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, where all the critics hated the film and were like, it's actually really cute and charming and sweet. Mm -hmm. And this film it has high critical praise and both of us are just like, this was terrible. This, I, is a, this is so bad. And okay, so here's the thing. Like, 
I'm aware that nostalgia side is a thing and sometimes you like something because it fills you with a sense of nostalgia. And I'm also aware that the opposite is true. You can dislike something because it's not the thing you're used to. Okay, so I tried really hard to have like this open mind and being like, it's a whole new thing. But you know what? This was not a whole new thing. It was the freaking the same basic things. Like, like there wasn't chimney sweeps. There was lamp lighters. They practically had some of the same dance moves. You had this charming guy who wasn't in the family, but was out there who maybe kind of had an almost romantic, but very G-rated romance with somebody. I mean, it was all the same. It was so, it was a retread and it was a bad retread. And I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, but you can't take a bath with all your clothes on. It was stupid. Um, well, we can't have the kids you know, taking a bath. Well, then pick something something. else. It wasn't like it was based on a book where they had to have them take a bath. Like, they could have done so many other things. In fact, in fact, there were things in the book, the first book, and as we know, it was a series. There could have been lots of different things from other books they could have pulled from. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Maybe there's a magical bath in one of the other Mary Poppins books that I just don't remember because I didn't read all the Mary Poppins books, but holy crap, man. So for me, I I think that they're confused if they were trying to do a reboot or if they were trying to do a sequel, because it's kind of trying to do a little bit of both. It's failing. So yes. as a reboot, it's got all the same basic plot points that you mentioned. You know, there's you know Mary Poppins comes in at almost the exact same time. There's you know this beat with the adventure. There's this beat where you know in the first one it was the silly uncle on the roof, and then we have Popsy Turvy on the roof. So all the beats are there. Plus so the father, like right? Like the distance between the father and the children, and we have to reconcile the father with his children. Like, in fact, my seven-year-old, my very wise seven-year-old, said at one point, "Why is Michael acting like this?" He didn't have a good relationship with his father. Shouldn't he be trying harder with his own kids? <laughs> well, you do have a very smart seven year old. Well, I mean, yes. But also, but that's if a seven year old picks up on that, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, one of the things we talked about with the first Mary Poppins film is you know, I, I remember seeing it, and so I was like, oh, I'll just watch to refresh my memory. I'm doing a couple other things. Know, researching the background, doing all the trivia and stuff. And I caught myself just stopping all that and watching the film because it's so charming and engaging. And in this one, I hadn't seen it before, Mary Poppins Returns. And it was the exact opposite. I started checking out Facebook because I found it completely boring. Yep. It was... It's just so dull. It was... It was dull. And it's a lot of wasted talent because I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love him. And I like Emily Blunt. And Meryl Streep, was it Meryl Streep? Like, these yep. are, you know, uh, Colin Firth? Like, and then we have a random Angela Lansbury at the end as the balloon lady, which, I mean, so we're not gonna have a bird lady, we're gonna have balloons. And then, like, and, okay, also, I'm sorry, but, like, in the original, the magic was, like, for the kids and, and Mary Poppins and Bert, but, like, the parents didn't see the magic. That was part of what made it, like, mysterious was was it real was it not was it was an imagination play was it actual magic but this one we literally have the entire neighborhood floating around on balloons at the end like it just it broke it it broke it it broke me and it broke its own mythos and i just 
So I like it. Emily Blunt said that she read the books in preparation. She based her Mary Poppins more on book Mary Poppins. And as we talked about that before, book Mary Poppins is much more cynical. Yes. So there is that aspect. And Julie Andrews, she, she brought a charm to it. It wasn't exactly book Mary Poppins, but she, she had her strictness, but there's also kindness in there. And she was mysterious. She reminds me of um, June Wilder in the first Willy Wonka film where she's, you're not quite sure what's going on with her, but she's interesting. Mm-hmm. And this one, whenever Emily Blunt smiles, I, it, it feels jarring almost. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. There's a gentleness with it. I mean, and it was, it was Disney-fied, the 1964 version. Of course, she was gentle and, and sweet. She had a strictness to her and a sternness. We talked about that. But she also, I don't, she seemed internally consistent. And this Mary Poppins did not seem internally consistent. And I Well, ju- you would never have Mary Poppins doing the Superman save the day at the end. This is so weird. That, to me, was such a just stupid scene where the lamplighters are crawling up Big Ben and I'm like, okay, so you're just putting all their lives in danger, making them do this stunt when you just We know fly you up. can fly. Yeah. What what the hell, man? It uh, yeah. Yeah. And the and she it, was never that she's never supposed to be the Superman plot point sort of thing. And then you have the okay, so there's so many callbacks, right? You know, callback. I swear, I think my takeaway really is that this is the movie you watch when you want to get drunk because you just take a shot every time something is the exact same as the original, and it's like, oh, you know, Michael, blah blah blah. Oh, and Jane, you still have a propensity to giggle, and we are still not a codfish, and like, okay, like, uh. So again, I I think you're right. It's just it's not it's not sure if it's a remake or a reboot or just a money grab. And at the end of the day, I felt like, why was this film made? Why was this film made? It brought nothing of, new to it. Well, also from a plot perspective, how did the children change? You know, they're too adult in the beginning and they're too adult, you know, they're comforting their father at the end. They're still too adult. Yeah. You know, so there's no plot arc for them. There's no character arc. And I could not tell the, if you switch the dialogue for older boy and older girl, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They sounded exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Orgy was like the only child there, but you know, that's why I think, you know, it's girl and boy one. It, I wouldn't be able to remember their names. It, I can't remember Jane and Michael. It literally felt like they wanted to have an older and a younger. And then they were like, Oh no, we can't just have another boy and girl or just two children. It's different because it's a reboot. So let's make there be three children, but the the top two can basically be the same child. Yeah. So there's no arc for them. My there's daughter no... also said, why are they all taking a bath together? I think that that older girl is too old for this. <laughs> there, I, yeah, I don't want to shit then... all over it. There was, I'm trying to think, I know there was at least two things that I thought were cute. One thing I can actually remember was when they were like, it's mother's priceless bowl because she always said it was priceless. And then there was this opportunity, it was missed, but like when they found out that the bowl actually didn't have any monetary value. And I thought that's really sweet. That's very, it's very childlike to take some, when somebody says this is priceless and think, oh, that actually means it's monetary, not sentimental. But it's missed because they didn't talk about it. Like, was this a gift from some other woman? Like, was this from Winifred, you know, or not Winifred, because that would have been like the mother-in-law, but like, was it from her family or something? Is that why it was quote unquote priceless? 
Um, and also, why would you put a priceless bowl in a children's nursery? But whatever, I digress. So fine, but like you could have talked about like how things have value because they're special and important to you versus things have value because they, you know, are worth money. Okay. Um, also, they were all going to go live in Jane's apartment, her flat, and they were going to put all their stuff in storage. So they weren't completely bereft of money. Also, I mean, I get that Michael's supposed to be this hapless doof because the wife took care of all of the bills and then he'd taken out this loan and then he'd never made payments. And I'm like, oh my God, like what in the, like, why is he such a, an incompetent doof? And then he doesn't become more competent at the end. Like he doesn't really have an arc either. He's very sad. I think it's a very touching so scene when he's in the attic and he's singing over his wife's stuff. And he's like, you know, he, the only question he has is like, where did she go? And again, my seven-year-old goes, did she die or just run away? <laughs> And I was like, I think she died. But like the song almost made it sound like he doesn't know where she is, doesn't it? And she goes, yeah, I mean, if she died, she's buried somewhere, right? Because that's what those kind of people do. There were two kind of betrayals in this film. And in the original one, there aren't any real bad guys. You know, there are people who have different perspectives. And that was one of the main themes that came out very clearly is that people have different perspectives. So your father is maybe strict, but you have to understand where he's coming from. The bank manager is sneaky, but he's not evil. He's trying to invest the tuppence. In this one, we have a villain, and that sort of breaks the whole thing about Mary Poppins. There was no motivation for the villain. He was just like, I want that house. But it was like, why? What, what is so special about this house? He didn't even say like, it's the only house on the block I don't own. Or it's my crowning thing. Or there's treasure buried in the basement. Or um, I hated his father. And it's like, this is my last thing to get rid of. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there was absolutely no motivation. None. Yeah. It was. <sighs> so the, to, to say one thing positive, I'll get to like the other negative thing. Um, Dick Van Dyke can still dance. I think it was 93 when he filmed this. Yes, it was nice to see Dick Van Dyke. That was a cameo I was I was good. And that was, he did his own dancing. That was him dancing at his age. That was really impressive. Of course, of course, though, he shows up at the very end to just be like, oh, you're a villain, so you're fired, and now everything is fine. I will just say that everything's fine, and now everything is fine. Hooray, everything's fine. And this gets me to the second betrayal, is the end of Mary Poppins, Michael gets Tuppence back, because yes. that was the whole point. That was the point, is that he can learn the value of his money, so that when he's older, he can do something intelligent with it. So t Michael Not gets his Tuppence back, and then he gives it to his father, which is what makes Mr. Banks have his crisis of faith, and then, you know what Mr. Banks does? He does not invest it in the fucking bank that just fired him. He goes, with tuppence for paper and string, one can have their own set of wings. So Michael's fucking tuppence bought the kite. It did not buy shares in the bank. Grr, I'm just, so angry at this movie. Yeah, it betrayed the first one. And there's a lot of other things. The first movie was, when it came to um, the special effects, it was cutting edge. It was doing all these really interesting things. And this film, it's good effects but it's not mind-blowing effects 
I, I did like how the carriage kind of went around the bowl, and so they're doing these kind of funky little things. I think they should have taken it further. It was okay. It's nothing that's going to you know stand out years later as, wow, that was really cool. I mean, there was totally a joke to be made about the Flat Earth Society in uh, <laughs> that just didn't happen. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, on. and, you know, all the beats are wrong. So the other just from from a storytelling standpoint, when Mr. Banks has his crisis of faith, it's a very quiet scene of him walking and he's losing everything. So he's having this crisis of faith moment where he's walking through London and the music is there, it's swelling, it's one of Walt Disney's favorite songs was Feed the Birds. You've got this choir-esque thing. He's built his life around money and now it's being taken away. His position is being taken away and he has to find a, re, a totally redefinition of his character. Yes, and it was moving. That, yeah, it was beautifully done and it's quiet and it lets you be quiet with him and internalize. And this one we just have, oh, let's go run over to Big Ben and let's fly a kite in the window because that's like the thing and Mary Poppins goes and saves the day. It's just being simple and deep and this one is just busy and shallow. Yes. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> and I've ranted so, and I've yelled and I can see the little, uh, the sound thing. So I, I will try to temper my frustration and talk quieter so that I have a shot at being able to edit this so that we're about the same volume level, which is going to be a feat <laughs> because you are on Zoom and on a little mic and I am right next to the microphone and very ranty. And I apologize to the people who are listening. Maybe we should have you sit back like a I <laughs> I'll say way over here. Still angry. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that this got such critical appraisal. Um, and did you notice the irony that they have so many songs about not judging a book by its cover? And yet, what do they do? Like, the wolf is obviously an evil wolf. And so it, you're supposed to judge it by its cover because he's obviously evil. And then the, the big guy is obviously evil doing the little wolf thing with the watch. Yes. Because he dreamed about it, but it's real. Yes. <laughs> because they telegraphed it. Like, the wolf shows up, and they're like, oh, the wolf and the weasel. I'm moving closer again. Um, the wolf and the weasel are like, hello, blah, blah, blah. And then as the kids walk past them, like, to the camera, the wolf's like, he, he, he. And he, my, again, my seven-year-old is like, oh, so he's a bad guy. <laughs> like, but don't judge a book by its cover. But don't judge a book. We, but he's literally making bad guy faces. So uh, I guess, We yeah. have Mary Poppins practically doing a burlesque show. Oh, my God. Not, Why? Not okay. It was just too much purple. I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad, but when I say that much purple, I just start thinking, poor Hank which is a shout out for people watching Breaking Bad who have watched Breaking Bad, whatever. Too much purple, too much floof, too much flounce. The topsy-turvy thing was, uh, again, it was a missed opportunity. You could have a, had a thing about looking at things from a different perspective, but that would have been the first movie. Like you said, this movie was like, turn your perspective, but don't, but but where? where who else in the movie changed you their perspective? Yeah, that was, I can't agree with more. That was a missed opportunity. So, this is kind of a fun little thing in the book. Uh, Topsy is a man. And because his mother always wanted a daughter, you know, that one day of a week, he's, he's backwards. 
and so he has that line where he's a girl, you know, that weird Wednesday. So that would have been so much fun to play with. You could have done so much with that scene, but it looks more like they're in a fun house. Yeah, it, it, again, that one too, like you said, I think what you said was great. I don't know if you got it or you came up with it, but like busy but shallow, that was that scene too. There was so much, like the set design in there had been thrown up. It was like, it was just a vomitous amount of shit up and down and all over the place and then you just where were you even supposed to look and then we're all on our heads we're looking at things differently it could have just been handled so much better i just i yeah that was a lot of it like um you know the chimney sweep scene it they're on a little set but because they use a lot of different camera angles they're doing this they're doing that they're moving around it doesn't feel small it feels kinetic and active when you see the lamplighter scene it feels small yeah, it, it's just kind of dancing around in a master shot almost. And and honestly, like you said, you got bored. Like the lamplighter scene when they were like trip the light, fantastic and whatever. I was like, okay, I'm out. Like I'm done. I just there's nothing. This has now gone too far. It's this like I want to pick up my phone. And even my daughter was just like not interested. And, and then at the very end, so much you could have done. You have fire. Yeah, right. It's so inventive and. What do you do? Oh, we're just going to twiddle our sticks. Well, and then you have at the very end when they're with Mr. Dawes Jr. And he's like, trip the light fantastic. So it was like, okay, you're connected to the lamplighters? Some, like, what? Like, I just, what? <sighs> yeah, so incredibly disappointing. The critics are wrong. They are. <laughs> we should critic everything. We should be the critics. <laughs> That's why people listen, right? Because they want our take. And our take is, please skip this movie. Just don't. Just Go don't bother. The original, the original and, is amazing. Okay, I will say, like I said, my seven-year-old liked it, but I asked her, which one do you like more, this one or the first one? And she was like, I don't know. Are, is there another Mary Poppins movie? And I said, no. And she goes, oh, sometimes the third are better than the second. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's true, I suppose. Well, but I mean, she has not been known for making good sequels. She, um, she liked parts of it, but she didn't like the parts, I think, that she was supposed to like. Do you know what I mean? Like, she definitely laughed at a few moments, but it wasn't the, she didn't like the big Mary Poppins burlesque show thing. Like, she didn't, you know, um, I'm trying to I think. I was thinking she would have been scared during the cart chase scene. She was. That was pretty dark. She was a little nervous, but she also knew that they were going to get out of that, right? You know, because um, we talk, we always talk before, you know, is it going to have a happy ending? Yes, it's going to have a happy ending. Um, you know, and I, and you know, she knew that they were the bad guys. She got that he was the wolf. As soon as Michael saw the, the shadow of the watch, she was like, oh, it's, is he the wolf? And then she was like, did the wolf get away from the bowl? Like, so she wanted to know, like, actually have these tangent, you know, like, things actually connected. But there was something that she laughed at. I think some of the verbal dialogue and the, the very opening scene where the kids are going in and out and there's a mess and there's a this and there's a that, like, and it's a chaos in the house. She liked that. And she liked that, oh, her absolute favorite part was when they were underwater and there was a guy, the guy who had the don't walk on the grass or stay off the grass. And the sign said, stay off the seagrass. Stay off the seagrass was her favorite part that the sign had changed and now said seagrass. I don't know, she's seven, whatever. But literally, like, whatever it was, that little sign about, you know, not playing on the seagrass or whatever was was probably the thing that she laughed at the most. 
she didn't care at the end and she didn't understand why and like what the stock certificate was. We had to have a whole conversation about what that was, which was fine. I don't mind educating my kid about the stock market, I suppose. But like it what it's, it, it's weird to have that in a kid's film. Yeah, it's weird. So, and as a major plot point that like if you don't understand what that is, then you're not invested. There's no tension for you. You're just like they're going to lose their house, but they're not because I know this is a happy movie. And I said, well, you know, at one point. Maybe they're going to lose their house and they're going to realize that what makes a family a family is not the fucking building that they live in. I'm sorry, I'm getting ranty again. It's not the building. It's the family. Maybe, like, they will rediscover that. Maybe, like, it's time to let some of the mom's things go and start a new chapter of their life. Like, keep the real important things, like the bowl or whatever. But, like, find a new way to live because sometimes it's really hard to move forward if you're trapped like you're almost in a cage of bad memories and stuff nope that's not what happened <laughs> okay fine never mind yeah um so missed opportunities so much defines this one it, it was it was so slow and dull and that's the thing like i remember that there was the song that was trip the light fantastic i remember that that was the name of it and I know, I could tell you where some of the, there was a song with the balloons, there was a song under the water, there was a song on the bowl or whatever. It's, but I can't remember, I can't remember any of the line. Oh, and at the very beginning, we start with Lin-Manuel Miranda lighting things and talking about, I guess, it's, oh, under the London sky. There you go. That's the other line from the music I can remember. Because the songs were completely forgettable. They weren't, they weren't, they, they, they were like the children, you yeah. know, it's girl and boy. It, happy know, song it, bouncy song non-bouncy song the end yeah Insert this is song the water here. song i i don't remember the lyrics i don't remember the beats nope nothing but no kalia can you sing the let's go fly a kite song <laughs> i can sing that entire 1964 movie do not tempt me <laughs> but that's the point you you remember those they're earwigs yeah. they were well made yeah. Well, there's no, there's, there's, I mean, the guys who wrote it, is it the Shermer brothers? Yeah. Yeah. They, freaking geniuses. And they're just, I don't think that they make kids musicals nowadays like they used to. I will tell you, and come at me, all you frozen people. I'm sorry, there's like one good song in that movie. Uh, well, okay, that's not true. There's a few good songs in the first Frozen movie that, uh, but they still, they, the only reason why we all know those is because it gets radio airplay and then the kids listen to them over and over again. It has nothing to do as much with the quality of writing because um, can you remember any of the songs from Tangled, the Rapunzel movie, which was by far a better movie than Frozen, but the songs were not I mean, as good. I totally agree. Like I, Frozen, okay, so this is a way change that you're probably going to have to cut out, but <laughs> Frozen did something that is unforgivable to me. The unforgivable wait, 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 was... wait, pause, pause, pause. Yeah. I'm going to write down on this little piece of paper what I think their unforgivable frozen sin was, and then you're going to say what you think it is, and I, I, I bet it's the same thing. Okay. Let okay. me know when you're ready. Okay. Tangled was so much better. It was. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to hold it over here. Go ahead. It is the troll song. He's a bit of a fixer-upper. Oh, okay. We had a different thing. <laughs> It's just that was unforgivable. Like you're telling little girls to go ahead and get oh, involved with somebody who yes. isn't that good, okay. but you could fix them. That that yes. is such epic bullshit. That is epic bullshit. From a story standpoint, 
was there a cardinal sin that Frozen made up from a storytelling narrative structure standpoint? Hmm. Well, there's a couple of them. <laughs> this is mine. It says on my piece of paper, Hans is now a bad guy? What the fuck? The camera in the boat, who was he acting for? <laughs> because when we introduce to Hans, he's a good guy, and he has this dopey look on his face, and he's into Anna, and there's no thing. And again, talking about missed opportunities, the whole thing at the end where he becomes bad could have been like, he was never going to be king. Now he's put in charge and power corrupts. So now he's in charge and now he's not willing to give up and not get willing to share. And now he becomes a bad guy because of the power. But they make it seem like he was playing her the whole time. But if you actually watch the first half of the movie, there is no way he was playing her. Because when he was stuck under that freaking boat and he had that dopey look on his face, he was not acting for anybody else. He was under a boat. Okay? You will never convince me otherwise. Also, so Disney can no longer write good villains. Seriously? And I know what it is. I've read the behind the scenes. He wasn't supposed to be the bad guy. Elsa was. And then when they decided to change that and make her into a good guy, they needed a new bad guy. And they rewrote the second half of the film and nobody went back to look at the beginning of the picture. Or you could just not have a bad guy. That's what I loved about Mary Poppins, the original one. Way to bring is it back. The... Good job, you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what was so good about the original one and we'll get into that in you know the mr bakes film but it was like no he doesn't have to be a bad guy we can have different perspectives and have the conflict just come from people having different perspectives like real life yes and understanding those perspectives is what helps us heal and grow as people and understand each other and try to make a better society thank you Father in a cage? I don't want father to be in a cage. Yes! <laughs> Let's grow and change and actually have characters with depth. Okay. La la. Okay, well, I think that's about the end of our <laughs> So, was it worth your time? Absolutely no. not. Unless you want to get drunk, make yourself a fun drinking game, put it on in the background, and then play Tetris and drink. Or not. I don't know. Or maybe if you're six, because apparently it's at seven, you're already beyond this. But if you're six, maybe, or five, um, sure. I maybe. Even then, it was I don't know just, if it would hold your attention, uh, though, because it's kind of slow and plotting. Yeah. Yeah, we should be professional critics. We're so much better at it. We really are. Okay, this supplemental okay. episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast was brought to you today by my annoying cat. Um, too much caffeine, too many missed opportunities, and um, bad special effects. Bad stories and missed opportunities. There it is.